singing. Appreciate the uh, Bible singing. I like Bible songs. I like the good Bible truths found in these songs. And um, so I'm going to try to do my best. I'm, I'm excited today. I'm happy today. I'm telling you, I'm thrilled to be saved. I, I have... I have been a I have been the devil's fool for long enough, for 25 years. Uh, if I if I slow down and sorry, not ashamed. And I've told this before, and I I don't know maybe here or not. But I I've been I went to George Jones concert about every year of my life is on my wife's anniversary. And we would go to that concert all the time, and I've stood up and sang and acted like a complete and total fool. Uh, and, and sports events and, and concerts and things like that. And here I've got eternal life, saved by the grace of God, going to heaven, sins forgiven, family restored, called to preach, put in the family of God, sins washed away, never to be remembered against me anymore. And if I can't shout about that, but I can shout for George Jones, there's something bad wrong with me. If you, if you can go to a, a football game and shout, but you don't care nothing about eternal life, something bad wrong with you. Uh, I just don't want to be hypocritical. Now, some people don't shout at either one. They're just not that kind of person. They're just different in their nature. But me would be quite hypocritical for me to get all tore up and bent out of the frame. I know some people shout more at a car going slow in the fast lane than they would at Jesus saving their soul from hell. Uh, it's time to get excited about what Jesus is doing. And I, I'm about, I want to be about God's business, and I'm tired of playing, playing around and, be, and, and, and fooling around. I'm ready to get down to business. People are going to hell, and uh, their souls need saved, and our business is the gospel and preaching of the gospel. And uh, I want to be about that, and there's nothing, there is nothing more exciting to me uh, than to think about how God saved me and put me in his family. And I want to stay excited about it. I want to stay happy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And uh, I'm not going to let nothing rob me of my joy. If you lose your joy, you gave it away. Nobody took it from you. So just, the Bible says this in many places. The Bible, when it talks about, there, it talks about if there be any bowels of compassion, if there be any mercies. If you search there in the Bible, it'll say constantly over and over, if there be any. Because you're going to come in the last days, you are going to have to seriously look as hard as you possibly can to find something positive to think about. And that's the days we're in now. So let me just give you one so you don't have to worry about it. You are saved by the blood of the Lamb, washed in the blood of Jesus, and the devil couldn't. You've got a name recorded in heaven. The devil can't get there to get it out. He didn't put it in there. And you're saved, sealed to the day of redemption. God is never going to leave you nor forsake you. You will never not be a child. You will never not be an heir of God, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You will always and forever live eternally in the blessed land of the redeemed. And if that don't stir you up, then your stir's broke. Something's wrong with you. Get stirred up about it. I don't care what you did this week. I don't care how you failed this morning. I don't care what you've thought about. We're not here shouting and praising and worshiping God because we're good people. We're here for one reason, and that's to worship God in spirit and truth because he's worthy to be honored and praised and glorified and to him be glory forever, not in the world, but in the church forever and ever. Amen. And if there's any place we ought to give glory to 
God is in the church, right? And uh, so I'm stirred up about it. I, I shouldn't be. I've got a bad throat. But, you know, I, I, at least I'll go out swinging if I go out. I, so I'm going to try my best to be as calm as I can uh, and uh, try to preserve this little old uh, weak voice that I've got. But if you'll turn with me this morning, I want to look at a portion of Scripture I've never preached in my ministry. It's in Mark chapter number 5. It's been preached so many times. Uh, I guess the Lord's just never led me in, those, in that direction. I've often referred to it. But I want to bring you a message this morning as just a God's simple message of salvation. And uh, there's nothing simple about it. Um, it's an absolute miracle of God to see someone saved by the marvelous grace of God. God take a man full of sin, full of the devil, messed up backwards, full of all kinds of wickedness and evil. And God make that man a new creature. And establish his going, set him on a solid rock, and help him to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Isn't that something just amazing? Help him to overcome, uh, overcome things that have dominated his life for years and years and years. And uh, I've told this, I don't know how many times when I got saved, man, there's some things God left me with to deal with, but there's a whole slew of things God just took from me. I never had to work one moment on stopping doing it. God just took it out of my heart, saved me, made me a new creature. And I don't ever get over it. And if you're here this morning and maybe you've never experienced anything like that, I want you to give me about 30 minutes and I'll do my best to wrap it up in 30 minutes. And I just want to preach to you on this man here in Mark chapter number 5 where most of us are very familiar with this portion of scripture. And uh, I want you to know you're in a good place. You're in a place full of people that love you. And they're concerned about more than the temporal. They're concerned about a man and ladies and boys and girls' eternal soul. A question was asked one time, if a man dies, shall he live again? There's more to your life than what's going on right now around you. There's more to your life than eating and drinking and being married. There's more to life than you live a little while and find a decent little career and marry somebody and have children and, and then die. There's more to this thing than just the temporal that we often look at. The fact remains is you're created in the image of a mighty and a holy God. And that God's eternal. And you have a soul inside of you that will live forever somewhere. And you'll either live forever in eternity with Jesus or you will perish forever where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You will never die in the sense of obliteration. You'll never be completely annihilated. You will never just end. You, If you die, you will live again somewhere. Your eyes will wake up in an immediate place in either two places. And that place is uh, hell uh, where the fire, the uh, worm dieth not and fire is not quenched. Or you'll wake up in the presence of Jesus and his holy angels. The city, the Bible says, a city that's made of gold. Streets of pure gold. The walls of jasper. I'm talking about the, the throne that's around the, the, uh, the rainbow that's around the throne. And the Bible says, Jesus, we don't need H-U-B or K-U-B or any power plants. Jesus is the light of that city. And you'll live forever and ever and nothing will ever enter in to defile you. And a place where nothing will ever enter in and take your 
family away from you again, no place that nothing will enter in, no virus, no sickness, no pain, no death, no suffering, no, no trials, no fretting, no anxieties, no worries. You're going to go to a place of peace and safety and security, but you will live forever somewhere. You will live in a place which is called the second death, actually. You'll live, and when you die, if you were to die today, when you leave this service and you're unsaved by God's grace, you will go to hell as soon as your eyes wake up. You will wake up and underneath our feet, just as real as I'm standing up here, are people screaming in agony and begging for just a little dip of water onto their tongue. They're tormented day and night in a place that's damned, full of the damned and full of evil and wickedness. There's no light in that place. There's no babies crying. There's no sound of sweet music of some a young lady singing of the mighty grace of God. There's no preacher to stand up and tell you about a Jesus who, who came and died for you. There'll be nothing but weeping and wailing and people screaming in agony. Hell's is real. If there's no hell, there's no heaven. If there's no hell, this Bible's not so. If there's no hell, there's no Jesus. Hell is as real as the Redeemer. Hell's as real as heaven. And if you die lost without Jesus, you'll never see your loved ones again in a place of eternal bliss and home. You will go to a place in which you'll be alone. You'll be departed from God. There'll be no comfort, no consolation of the Spirit. The Spirit is not there to comfort you and your distresses. There's nothing there in that place that will give you a moment of ease, a moment of relief. The only thing that will happen is one day your name will be called up out of that place of torment for just a little season and you'll think that maybe it's over. Maybe it was just a time of purgatory. But I want you to listen to me. It's not just but for a moment. You'll be raised up to stand before the face of a holy God who sits on a throne in which the rocks and the hills and the trees, the face, the, the, they flee from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne. The God of heaven's not called you up out of that place to redeem you, to give you another opportunity. He simply raised you and opened the books of words and he's going to judge you based on how you've lived, how you've, uh, how you've refused to receive the love of the truth of his son who died and bled and rose again on your behalf. You'll answer for every idle thought, every word that you've spoken against someone else, every evil thought you've had towards a woman, every bad thought, every bad word, every evil deed will be tried and shouted from the mountaintops. The Bible said nothing will be in secret, but it'll all be exposed in that day. You will stand. The dead, small and great, will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And you'll hear these words, my friend, if you're unsaved. You better listen to me. You better believe everything I'm saying. What I'm telling you is the truth. You will hear one day, and I'm no glory in this, there's nothing that breaks my heart more than being the thought of hearing God for the final time tell somebody, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. I hope you know God this morning. You better hope God knows you. You think this is just a game? We're all just playing around. We got nothing better to do this morning. You think that this is just funny? This is a game. This is reality. And the reality is, my friend, there's people burning in a literal hell and torment. They're screaming in pain and agony, begging somebody to let them out, and you will never get out. It's an eternal place of torment. 
Say, well, you're trying to scare me into getting saved. If I could scare you into getting saved, I'd, you better believe I'd do it. I believe this Bible. And you, these, 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 these uh, overeducated eggheads have come uh, too late in the game to convince me otherwise. There's a hell. Jesus said there's a hell. And, you, and if you don't believe that, you are, you are sadly mistaken. There's only one group of people to as many as received him. That's the only group of people that will miss this eternal flame and torment. Those that have received the Lord Jesus Christ. To him, to as many, as many. It won't be many. It won't be all your friends. It won't be all your pals. But it, to as many as would receive him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. <laughs> I hope that's you this morning. I don't know about you, but hell scares me to death. I don't, I don't rejoice in it. I don't want anybody to go. And I'm standing up here to you to preach to you this morning. This may be the last opportunity you ever have. To, for you know not what is on the morrow, the Bible said. For our life is but a vapor appears for a little time and vanisheth away. Who knows about tomorrow? Well, I'll just do better tomorrow. I'll tell you what happened to me. Young people, listen to me. What I did when I was young. I'd always say, when I get older, I'll get saved then. But I'm going to enjoy my young years while I've got them. And when I get older, I'll get right then. You may not get older. You, today may be the oldest you ever get. You say, preacher, I don't want you to try to scare my kids. If you think there's a hell burning under your feet, you better hope I scare your kid this morning. Amen. There's a hell burning under our feet. And I rejoice in the goodness of heaven. I'll never, I'll never see that place. All because I cast myself upon the mercy of a holy God. I'll never see that place. But man, if you don't receive Jesus, there's not many ways. There's but one way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. There is but one way to shed the weight of the sin that's upon you. The Bible said that the, the, the wrath of Almighty God abideth on you this morning. If you're here and you're not saved, we're not waiting to determine whether you're going to hell or not. You're already as good as in. You are going the wrath of God abides on your head and the only hope you've got is that Jesus redeems you from the curse of the law and puts you into his family and saves you by his marvelous grace. We're not waiting to heaven to see whether or not we make a decision. People are born into this world guilty. You're a guilty sinner. If that wasn't true, you wouldn't die. Only guilty sinners die. You're guilty. God's got you down for murder. You murdered his son. God's got you down for every lie you've told. How many lies you got to tell to be a liar? Huh? One. Jesus said, you look upon a woman and lust after her and committed adultery with her already in your heart. All that stuff you're looking at on the internet, on the television, you've committed adultery. God's got you down. You're a liar and you're an adulterer. What are you going to do about that? Who's going, to, who's, going to who's going to change that? The Bible said no man can do that. No, no, no leper can change his spots. It's what he is. And you can't change yourself. You know what you are this morning? You're just like what all the rest of us were at one time. Just sinners. Guilty sinners before a holy God. 
And I'm going to tell you something. There's mercy to be found. But as you hear preachers, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to Jesus coming. And there's coming a time that those that the Bible says when the church is raptured out of here, those that believe not the love of the truth will be sent a strong delusion and they'll believe a lie and be damned. Say, well, I'm scared. You ought to be scared. If I was lost, I'd be scared to death to be watching the Bible unfold before our very eyes. Everything God said was going to come. Jesus said, I am he that has declared the end from the beginning. He's foretold everything. Not one prophecy he ever said failed, nor will it fail. And it's playing out right before our very eyes. And I'd be scared to death to be sitting there in my own sins to meet a holy God who is too holy to even look upon sin. He will not receive one person, not one guilty sinner. Something has to be done about your sin. You're guilty. You say, well, God loves everybody. God's a just judge. Yes, and by that it forces him that he cannot overlook sin. God just can't overlook it. I've used this analogy before, but what would you all think of me if, if, if I was a judge and, and some man broke into your house and he killed and murdered your family and misused your uh, uh, family members and, and, and treated your family that way and murdered every one of them and the cops catch him, they bring him before me and, and, stand, and he stands before me, the judge, and I say, well, look, I'm a loving judge. Uh, I, I just go free. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd probably wait to catch him out in the parking lot and drag him and tie him up to the back of my truck and drag him down the road. If, if the judge won't do it, I will. That man killed my family. Right? Because God is holy, because God is just, he must do something about sin. He cannot simply turn a blind eye to sin. There's an answer that God has, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ where he bore in his body on that tree everything you're guilty of. And if you'll repent and believe on him by faith, he'll save you and gloriously change you, and all your sins will be gone. The just for the unjust. What about it this morning? I'm going to tell you, we need, we need some old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. I was so under conviction by the Holy Ghost of God. If God's not dealing with you, don't come down to these altars. It'll just do nothing but make you more confused. There was a time in my life I got under Holy Ghost conviction. I was scared to death. If I had pulled out of that man's yard without getting saved, God was going to kill me down the road. And I knew I'd split hell wide open. I'd never given God my sins. I'd never turned from my idols. All I ever wanted to do was God to fix all my mistakes, knowing I'd get right back up and go to what I always had done before. But there was a blessed time 13 years ago, Brother Nathan, and I prayed and I said, God, save me or kill me. I'd have rather died than he gotten up not changed and saved by the grace of God and have that sin delivered out from off of me and put under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'd have rather died that night than to got up lost. I'm telling you, we need Holy Ghost conviction. Has God been dealing with you about sin? I'm going to tell you something. You better get saved when God's dealing with you. Well, I'm not going to come down there. I'm not going to do that. I'm be ashamed to do it. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be ashamed in front of a few people than to be ashamed to stand at the great white throne judgment and have my life played out on the screen for the whole world. You got nothing to be ashamed of in front of us. We've been probably guilty of worse than you've done. 
who I'd be worried about being shamed in front of as a holy God that loved you enough to send his own son to die for you. And you've scoffed at it and mocked at it and made light of it. If I sent my son to die for you and you made fun of it, hell wouldn't be hot enough for you, my friend. You ever think about the agony of the father? Watching his son die the cruel death of the cross for sins he didn't commit? It was enough of the suffering of Christ who suffered, whose vintage was so marred he couldn't be recognized even for who he was as a man. But think about the suffering father that's in heaven who gave that son. That's why hell's eternal. Because someone died for you and you turned your nose up at it. You'd rather have liquor and women and drugs and fornication and idolatry. You'd rather have that than simply bow your knee to Jesus and have him save you. This man in Mark chapter number 5, one of my favorite stories of the Bible. has been preached so much, but I'm going to take just a minute and preach it. Just a couple of points here. One of my favorite stories, brother, reading all the Bible. We better get serious about this thing, folks. Hey, it's a whole lot worse. The least of your problems is that you're watching pornography. That's the least of your problem. The least of your problem is you're fooling around with a young man or a young boy and you're fooling around. There's a whole lot worse problem than that. The, 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 that's just a symptom of the problem. The real problem is one day you're going to meet God with it. That's the problem. And you don't get it fixed up now, it won't never be fixed up. So well, I'll do that one day. You, made, you better do it now. Just like it was prayed this morning. Today's the day. Now's the time. All right, let me ask you this. Are you ready to meet God in that little old profession you've made? Never changed your life? You've never been no different? Mama got mad at you or preacher coached you into it and you signed up and they dunked your head underwater and held you down until you bubbled and brought you back up and you're just as filthy as before you went down. I wouldn't meet God be scared to death with meet God with a profession that didn't change me. Better make it as sure as you can. Hell, eternity is too serious to stake your little feelings upon. Well, I'm worried about my feelings, what people think. Listen, you better forget that and junk that right now. Hell is burning under your feet. And the Bible says it's enlarged itself. There's no compassion there. You go out here at these fires that happen down here south of the river down in Kingston, these men risking their life trying to pull people out, Brother Tony. There's people risking their life. You see these firemen, they thrill my heart running into the fire to try to save somebody and risk their own life. There's nobody going to try to break into that fire and get you out. You will burn as that bush and you will never be consumed. Can you imagine? How many of you have been as dumb as I have and put your hand up on a hot stove? At least lie about it, Brother Nathan. Make me feel better. You know how hot that was? But you just pulled right off of it and just pulled right out of it? The hell that's burning under our feet, there'll be no pulling away from it. There's nowhere you can go to escape the flames. You couldn't, you couldn't run far enough to get away from the flames that are burning you. Imagine the people screaming in agony. 
Church, imagine, imagine we're worried about handing a Bible tract telling somebody about Jesus. And there's people literally one day, that person that, you, uh, that God wanted you to talk to and you didn't talk to them. Imagine hearing them scream in hell one day. We don't hear enough preaching about hell anymore, do we? Hell's hot. It's real. I don't know if there's anything thrills my heart more than hearing, hearing somebody sing, Amazing grace, how sweet. Nothing, nothing sweeter than hearing of those. More. Let me tell you something, my friend. There won't be a song sung over there. There'll be no preacher standing up telling somebody, you better get saved. It's too late. It'll be too late one day. You keep putting it off and putting it off and, 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 and I'll fix it up one day. It's, there's one day I am telling you where the Bible said they joined themselves under their idols, let them alone. I've always been scared. I, I, got, I was scared to death, Brother Reed, before I got saved. I had gone too far. God wouldn't save me. I was scared to death. I'd gone too far. Aren't you glad in this Bible that it don't matter? In Mark chapter number 5, right before he gets there, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. If you can imagine that lake there, if you can see the Sea of Galilee, it's kind of shaped like this. And they were up here on this side, I believe in Capernaum, knowing that there was going to be a storm, knowing the difficulties to get there, 13 miles they crossed to get to a little place where we see here, this little man of Gadara. As far as I know, is the only person to get saved. Because as soon as he gets done, he tells him to go back. They turn right back around, go back to the other side. Not another person got saved. So I don't understand what's going on this morning, Brother Clint. Most of us are saved. I'm going to tell you what's going on. There may be one person that God's dealing with this morning about being saved. One of them disciples thought, well, Lord, what do you teach us something? What do you do? And Jesus was concerned. He wasn't even a Jew. You, you know that? This was, a, this was under Greek control in this area. It was one of them ten Greco-Roman cities there. This was a, this was a place that most of you and me wouldn't even go, go to. It's a filthy and dirty. Jesus sets his sights on, on the other side of that sea. He said, let us go on to the other side. They cross and go all the way across that thing. Now, it took two hours and if it was calm. I don't know how long it would take him to storm. But he traveled all the way to get there. And look what happens in Mark chapter number 5. He ends chapter 4 saying this, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, that's a miracle. If anybody can just look out there and say, Peace be still. And the whole sea just. Phew. I don't know about you, but that's, that's, just, that's pretty serious business. Now that's one miracle. But there's nothing like seeing a sinner changed by the grace of God. And they wonder themselves, 
Look at these. Look how powerful he is. The winds and the waves obey him. Wow. They don't understand what's going on. They get to the other side. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadareans. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Well, don't we serve a loving God? Now, not every one of us could put ourselves here. Not every one of us have been this crazy. But hey, a man that, that, that doesn't love Jesus is crazy. But not all of us have been in this kind of shape. Not all of us have been to this degree of, you know, this man was completely overtaken with demons. Not all of us have been in that way, but can I say something? I don't care what shape you're in, you're important enough to Jesus for him to come to you. you did, it's like he said this morning, you didn't find him, he found you. Amen. He wasn't lost, you were. And just think of him telling them to go to the other side. You know why he wanted to go to that other side? Because there was a maniac over there that nobody else could tame but God. He had done exhausted all human possibilities. Boy, I've been there. I've tried everything I know to do to get right. Tried everything I knew to do. I've told, I know I've told many of you, but I talked to the Jehovah's Witnesses even to see if they could help me. I so bad wanted God to save me. I did everything I knew to do. I exhausted every human resource that I had to try to get out from under this load of sin that I was carrying around. Can I tell you, my friend, mommy can't do it. And I appreciate mama's prayers. Daddy can't do it. The preacher can't do it. But there's a man named Jesus. Hey, even them disciples probably wouldn't have crossed that sea, not with a, a storm. But whatever it, whatever it took, Jesus was willing to get to him. If you're here this morning, do you realize this? Just think about this. God rearranged your whole, I had all my plans, I had my alliterated outline, I had Nehemiah's prayer and all that I was going to do. And God spoke to a, a, a man that knows nothing about your situation, knows nothing about your heart, knows absolutely nothing, and spoke to him, rearranged all of those plans, put, put a song about being redeemed in the heart of Brother Reed, put a song about being redeemed in my heart, put songs in their heart talking about being saved in the love of God. And, and God arranged all all of those things just to reach you this morning. When I think about that, God arranged everything in my life. It wasn't, it wasn't just so happy that I landed on the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. It was the nothing more than the almighty sovereign grace of God that got me where I needed to be. And God got you here today to deal with this matter of sin in your life. What an accident. God's not lost. You are. But here's a good thing. His eyes run to and fro in all the earth. And he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. There's not a person in here he didn't love and die for. There's not a person in here that if they'll repent and believe it, God wouldn't say. So he comes down to this 
He's come out of ship immediately. There met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. I just so have to wonder. This man was seeking every resource he could find. He was going through. He wanted to rid himself of all the mess that, that he was. And I remember being there too. I, I, wanted, I wanted rid of all of those things. And, but there was, there was just something when I, that man started preaching to me. You know what they was preaching, that boy was preaching when I got saved. He was preaching about the second coming of Jesus. And it was like God opened my eyes. I could see a white horse coming down out of heaven with a man that had a vesture dipped in blood who had a name written that no man knew but he himself. I scared to death Jesus was coming back. Now I'm going to ride one with him. That's right. I'm a white horse riding preacher. And boy, I was fearful, scared to death. And that man started, he got that big old Bible out. I know y'all had to hear me tell this, but I've never just got over it. He got that big old Bible out. He couldn't have found a bigger Bible. And he got that big old Bible out and come out on that porch, and he was, I mean, he was literally preaching, preaching like I ain't never seen nobody preach in my life. I was used to something totally different than that. TED Talks and little, little sweet speeches and motivational speeches. That man was preaching. And buddy, he preached to me, and that night God opened my eyes, and I'm telling you who I saw. I saw no man save Jesus. I didn't see daddy that failed my family and didn't love me right, and I didn't see this one's my brother's failures. I didn't, I didn't see all these people that caused me to be who I was and blame this one and blame that one. I didn't even so much see myself. I'm telling you, just as clear as day, I saw a man named Jesus. And he touched me. Changed my life. I, if you're not saved this morning, I pray, I pray you just listen to the Holy Spirit. There's something inside of you, isn't it? There's something inside of you just saying, you know you're not right. There's something inside of you telling you, you know that what he's preaching is right. There's something telling you that. I believe that. But that won't be enough to save you. You'll have to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what happened this poor fellow and we'll go home this morning. Immediately there met him out of the out of the tombs a man thank God for saving me who had his dwelling place among the tombs and no man could bind him no not with chains because he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broke in pieces neither could any man tame him everything mommy and daddy tried to do Mom and Daddy try to bind you up, try to chain you to do right. <laughs> My poor mother, I put her through so much. 
But all I do, Brother Reed, is just break those bands asunder and go right on to doing what I want to do. Now this is serious, I'm done, but I want to tell you young people something. Your parents love you, and they're trying to tame you. <laughs> That's about how we raise kids anymore, if we can just tame them. They try to bind you up, try to make you do right, try to put you in a good place where you can hear good preaching, try to keep you out of trouble, keep you away from drugs, and keep you away from all kinds of things, and they bind you up, and you just break them loose and go right towards it, break them loose and go right back to it. There's a, there's a day coming, you're going to pay for that. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. For in all these things, I got, I got a lot of regrets, but I can tell you one I got. I wish I would got saved a lot sooner than I did. You young people got nothing but opportunity in front of you if you'll get saved. And let God keep you out of a lot of trouble. Spare you from a lot of heartache and sin. This, this man, he... Man, even, even people tried to help him. Y'all know the story. It just, it's just thrilled my heart this morning thinking about there's so many people trying to help me. Thinking about my boss who still works down there in Airman trying to help me. My parents, my grandmother. I had an uncle that was a, was a uh, army chaplain trying to talk to me. I just couldn't count them on two hands. Greg Collins, that lives up here on the mountain, tried to talk to me several times. I mean, I could just count the number of people that tried to help me get right with the Lord. And nothing worked. Nothing helped. Until that day when God called my name out. See, we can do all we want to do, but if once God calls your name, you got a choice. He's not going to make you get saved. You can respond or you can reject. I believe a man's as free to choose what he wants to, but I want to warn you about something. You're not free to decide the outcome. You can reject him, but you'll burn in the lake of fire for eternity if you do. Thank goodness this old boy right here, we're, we're done. This just thrills my heart. Can you imagine how crazy this fella is, Hunter? He's crazy. I mean, he is slap crazy. Mother-in-law crazy. I'm telling you, the man's crazy. <laughs> Got one laugh. I hope my mother-in-law ain't listening this morning. He's crazy. Let's just read the story and let's go on. He had often been bound by these fetters and chains and they were plucked asunder by him and no man could tame him. I've heard preachers talk about that so much it just tickles me to death when I think about some other messages talking about, you know, certain preachers would come down. I had, I had one man, I went down to the church and I was trying to get right and you remember down there at Clear Springs, Amber? And I ended up almost in Rogersville by myself that one time. I was sitting in front of that church. Just begging God to talk to me. And I went down to that church. It was a Southern Baptist church. And that man come down there and he said, A man as troubled as I was. He said, well, basically, sign here. 
And I was lost and I knew. I said, sir, I have done that a hundred times. You need to rededicate your life. That's what, you know how many times I've rededicated my I wish I had 10 cents for every rededication. But I'd be broke if I was talking about rededications that lasted more than that longer than I got up out of that altar. Rededicate, rededicate. These little old men, they just, they just try to tame you. Can I tell you something? You don't need tamed this morning. You don't need to quit drinking. You need God to change your life. You need regenerated, saved by the grace of God, made a new creature. That's what you need. You don't need tamed. They tried to tame me. They'll tell you, oh, well, your problem is you like too many sins. Just choose one. That's what somebody told me. How silly is that? They just want to tame me. Don't be so crazy. Men don't need tamed. They need transformed by the power of God. You don't need tamed. Well, I know I need to do a little better. I'll try to come to church when I can. I'll try to raise my family in church. I'll try to do a little better. You don't need to try to do a little better. You need God to change you from the inside out, make you a new creature, and you won't help. You get the can't help us, and the first place you'll want to be is faithful to church. You won't have to worry about it. You won't have to try and fight against God. It'll just be in your soul. God will burn it in you, and all you'll want to do is praise and shout and worship God. You won't have to fake it. Nobody needs to tame you. you I'm tired of trying to tell, tame people. Tell them do a little better. And, and Well, it ain't so bad. We just, we just don't need to get drunk. We just drink and try to enjoy them. You're crazy and you're as foolish as the day is long. You need to get changed and transformed by God's marvelous grace. Tired of this taming business. You don't need tamed. You need saved. Quit lying to yourself. God doesn't save drunks and leave them drunks. He don't save people uh, that, that's involved in all kinds of sin and wickedness and leave them out. The Bible says, by this shall you know that you love, that we know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. You don't love the church, I wouldn't count on being saved. Well, I don't love God's people, then you ain't saved. If you're saved, you'll love God's people. Amen. Well, I don't love the Bible. You don't, you don't need a checkup. You need saved. You don't need tamed. You need born again. God will put a love in this world. <laughs> By them, my servant is one. Yea, more than gold, more than fine gold. <laughs> You'll love this Bible. Love sinners and love the, the Savior and love the saints of God. Love the scriptures. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're done. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Couldn't figure out what's going on. He's gone to every doctor he could, every little preacher he could. And finally, look at what happened in verse number 6 of Mark chapter number 5. But when he saw Jesus evolve, I'm done with that this morning, but that's common ground in here. Every one of us saw Jesus afar off, Brother J.C. Hallelujah for somebody who took a King James Bible and preached to you, and God opened your eyes and let you see Jesus. Made a little lower than the angels. 
I'm telling you, there was a time I've heard all about Jesus. I've heard how he died and went to a cross. I heard they beat him. I've seen Mel Gibson's movie about it. I've seen, I, I've heard about it, I, but I had no, these things are spiritually discerned. I didn't understand them. I didn't apply them. I knew all about Jesus, but there was a time and a point in my life I can point back to South the River 13 years ago. God opened my eyes and by the eye of faith I saw Jesus and he saved me and changed me and put a new creature inside of me. And when he saw Jesus, <laughs> have you ever seen Jesus? I've seen some hypocrites in the church. Well, la dee da. Good for you. You was probably one of them if you was there. Amen. We've all got hypocrisy in us. I appreciate some of it. <laughs> Try to be on our best behavior when we're here. But there's hypocrites everywhere you go. If you're going to go to hell over a few hypocrites, you got problems. I've never seen anything, Brother Lance, I've never seen a, an ounce of hypocrisy in Jesus Christ. When I saw him afar off, I'm telling you, I knew there was a man. I, I, don't, I, I wish I could put it into words. You all that are saved know what I'm talking about. When you saw Jesus and you lost sight of everybody else in the world, but you saw Jesus, I'm telling you, there is just nothing to describe the illumination of the mind when God shows you who Jesus is. I pray you see him this morning. He's more than just some historical figure. He is the creator God of all the heavens by whom all things consist. All things are made by him and everything including you were made for him. And if you're not serving him, you're as lost as a ball in high weeds. Everything was made for him. And by him was not anything made that was made. And the creator God of heaven willingly laid down his life and died so that you could live. And he didn't just die. He gave up the ghost by his own power and by his own power raised himself up out of the grave. And he did that for you. Hallelujah. When he saw Jesus, he ran and he worshiped him and cried with a loud voice. And you go on the end of this chapter, and I'm not going to, but down in verse number 18, he wanted to, he wanted to follow him. Je he prayed, Jesus, let me be with you. And Jesus said, no, suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Boy, I, I feel that in my soul almost every day of my life. I don't know how many times I've told my wife. I'm not trying to set myself up for anything. Please don't. You all know me better than that. But I had one young man tell me one time something about how things, what I was doing, how I was living. And um, said, you do this and you do all that and all that. And here's, here's how I truly feel. A man that would do that for me deserves everything that I can give him. He deserves my whole life. He deserves for me to live for him. And he certainly deserves for us to go tell others what great compassion he had on an unworthy sinner. I wasn't good enough. I wouldn't have given me five cents for the life that I was living. 
I wouldn't tell it from this pulpit. I've talked to some of you in private. I'm telling you, I wouldn't give five cents for my life, and God gave the best heaven had to buy me up out of sin. I hope you're saved. Time may come, you may not get another opportunity like this. I want you to know that. Lord, I love you. Thank you for saving us that are saved here this morning. We, I speak on behalf of every Christian in here. Thank you for loving unlovable sinners. We're not worthy of the least of thy mercies. Lord, we look at this picture of this man, crazy, full of demons, cutting himself. His mind was messed up and all he had to do was get to you and then they find him seated and clothed and in his right mind. You're the only answer for sin, Lord. And so I pray for that soul this morning that may be lost and you've pricked their hearts about being saved. That this morning would be the morning that they come to saving knowledge of the truth. Please help them, Lord, and give them grace to come. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand to your feet, every head bowed and eye closed if you would. And we're going to sing a song. If you need to come, I want you to come. Just mind the Lord. If the Lord's dealt with you, and you come, let God save you. Brother Reed.